Good morning. Take your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, if you would. 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to begin our series today, a series that lasts two weeks on relationships, all right? So just a quick series. Uh, myself and then Pastor Levi will preach next week on relationships. And today uh, we're going to talk about developing passionate relationships, all right? So uh, this is our first topic. Uh, as we sat around, picture this now, we sat around in the office, uh, myself, Pastor Levi, Pastor Yeomans, to talk about what we're going to preach on relationships and who's going to preach what. And when it came to putting passion in your relationship, there was only one obvious choice to preach today. And so today, I've subtitled the message, Lessons from the Love Doctor. All right, so I'll help you today with uh, your marriage. and all. No, just I'm just joking. Just, that's not it, all right? We're not even just going to talk about your marriage relationship, though this is a part of it for sure, a big part. But any relationship, I'll say that several times, we're talking about how to have a passion. And we talk about passion. It's not just love. We talk about like when someone is passionate about something, passionate about sports, or passionate about uh, my wife is very passionate about yard sailing. She said the other day, I think there might be yard sales this year again. She's all excited already about yard sales. And when she goes, she maps out her course and she figures it all out. And she wants to get there a half hour before they actually open so she can drive past their driveway and put pressure on them to get their stuff out. She's all in. She's very passionate about those things. And we're talking about putting passion in your relationships, all right? So not just your marriage relationship, but all relationships. And actually, the true reason why they asked me to do this is because uh, my wife's in Sunday school right now. And so there's no one to fact check anything I say. I can say whatever I want about marriage and love and relationship. I can tell you what a great guy I am, and she'll not, she's not here, so I can say whatever I want. These guys would have uh, a problem with that because their wife's here to keep them accountable, but I'm not, all right? All right, so let's have a word of prayer. We'll get right into uh, this uh, message today about relationships. Heavenly Father, I ask that you'd help me today to uh, be a vessel to communicate some truth today that would be helpful to all of us in our relationships. And then, Lord, at the end, Lord, I pray that we'd all focus our attention on our relationship with you. And thank you for your passion for us and your relationship that you offer to us. And we're here to exalt uh, your word today first and then uh, Jesus Christ, your son, in the second part. So, Lord, I pray you help us to communicate these things clearly. In your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's be clear. Again, this is not just about marriage. It is about all relationships. Principles we'll look at today will apply to your relationship with your spouse, obviously, to your relationship with your kids, okay? Uh, having a passionate relationship with your kids, your grandkids, your relatives, your brothers and sisters. I talked to my sister yesterday, and I still maintain a good relationship with my sister and my brother. Uh, passionate relationships with your relatives, with your neighbors, with your friends, with your fellow church members. Having a passionate relationship with your fellow church members. We're talking about all these relationships, all right? So right now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to identify somebody in your life or a group of people in your life, whether it be your kids, your grandkids, your spouse, a number of people that you would like to develop a more passionate relationship, something that you want to see your relationship grow and develop, get deeper and stronger. I want everyone to do that. If you don't identify somebody or people in your mind that you want to have a better relationship with, then the message will be lost. But if you can right now think about, yes, I'd like to have a more impact and a deeper relationship with my grandkids or my children or my brother or my sister. It may be somebody here in the room with you today. It may be somebody that lives thousands of miles away and you only connect on FaceTime, all right? It doesn't matter. Who do you want to have a deeper, stronger, growing, passionate relationship with? If you can think of somebody right now, then this message is for you. These principles will be for you. And so... 
we're going to jump into 1 Peter in just a minute. We're going to kind of funnel our way down to one verse and look at But 1 Peter was written to believers who were, now listen to this, were living in an ungodly culture. Believers who were scattered across uh, the area we know as like Asia, Asia Minor. And they were in a culture that was ungodly and against everything the Bible stood for. Not much different than we are today, all right? So we are in an ungodly culture. He actually calls them in this, in this book, strangers and pilgrims. He says, I know who you are. You kind of feel like you're the oddball out. You're the stranger and the pilgrim. And this is the book of 1 Peter. And as we get to chapter 2, he begins to funnel his way into this idea of relationships. Chapter 2 begins with uh, Peter talks about uh, the relationship, uh, the believer's relationship to government, all right? I think we've already talked about that uh, several months ago, almost a year, over a year ago now, I guess. We talked about the believer's relationship to government. It's found in Second, First Peter chapter 2. And then he talks about uh, the believer's relationship to his employer. As an employee-employer relationship, how does that work? So he talks about relationships. And then chapter 3, where we'll be today, he begins to talk now about this marriage relationships. Uh, especially here in this chapter, where one partner... Either the husband or the wife is not saved. That's particularly what he's talking about, just so you get the context of 1 Peter chapter 3. He begins in chapter 3, verse number 1 through verse number 6. He gives six verses to the wife about how she should treat her husband, and then gives one verse to the man about how to treat his wife. You can draw your own conclusions to that. Six verses for the women, one verse for the man. I don't know what conclusion I can... I have all kinds of jokes I can say right now, but I want to be on topic and want, to, want everybody to listen to me so I won't uh, offend anybody. So six verses to the wife, one verse to the man about how to maintain a, a good relationship, when, especially when one spouse is saved and one spouse is not saved. But let me explain this. This you got to understand, as Peter writes this uh, letter to these believers who are scattered abroad, the culture of the day is very different than our culture. It is ungodly, yes, but the husband-wife relationship is way different than what you think. So back in that time, in that area, uh, the wife was uh, almost treated like a possession. It, it was not a, it's not a biblical possession. In fact, we'll see that here. It's not a biblical perspective, but that's how it was in culture. And there are still cultures today that are not Christian cultures who have that perspective. And the Bible, if, if that's your perspective, I'm just going to tell you, that's not a Bible perspective, all right? That's not a Bible perspective. It is a, a, a husband-led family. That is a Bible perspective. But it is, and you'll see here, they're together, joint heirs together. We'll see that in just a little bit. So this is the culture. So, and that may be why, probably the reason why he gives six verses to the wife and one verse to the husband. So think about this. In a relationship where the, where the wife has very little say in the direction of the family is more of a possession, if that wife were to get saved and would to believe Jesus Christ as her Savior and have this peace and have this contentment and have this new outlook on life and have a, a new, uh, you know, the Bible as her guide and, and all this, she has very little say in the direction of the family. And so she really has to do, she really has to, abide by the word of God. There's lots of instructions to the wife. Now, if the husband were to get saved in that relationship, the wife would be thrilled. Because all of a sudden, that husband would go from treating her like a possession 
to treat her like the way God wanted her to treat her. And she would, it'd be very easy for that transition to happen in the family when the husband got saved and began to lead his family in a biblical perspective. Very difficult if a wife got saved and the husband wasn't on board. Very difficult. That's probably why there's six verses to the wife and one verse to the husband. We're going to key in, though, on chapter 3, uh, verse number 7. We're going to look at the instructions uh, to the husband. But from this, we're going to pull out a couple principles that apply not only to a marriage relationship, but to all relationships. So look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being joint, as being, sorry, being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. That your prayers be not hindered. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 7. A couple principles today, uh, very quickly to give you. Principle number one, you show passion by pursuing. You show passion by, you want to be in a passionate relationship with your grandkids, with your kids, with your wife, with their fellow church. You show your passion by pursuing. You go after, you're, you're involved, and you, you, you seek for that, and you, search, you show your passion by pursuing. I, I also put it this way, this may be a little easier to remember. Choose to pursue. Principle number one, choose to pursue. Any relationship that's important to you, choose to be the pursuer. Choose. Remember back when uh, you were, some of you were dating? For you, some of you, it's a long time ago, but uh, the, the man often pursued the wife. I remember when Jackie, I met Jackie. Uh, I started to know about her. I understood, I learned that she liked a certain type of ice cream. So I found a place that had that ice cream, and I took her to a place that had the ice cream that she liked because I was pursuing her, right? So we understand as we choose to pursue, we show our passion in our relationship. Have you ever thought this? Husband, have you ever thought, I'll never understand my wife? Don't answer that out loud. Don't answer that out loud. Wife, have you ever said, I'll never understand what goes on in my husband's head? I'll never understand that. In fact, there's a book written years ago. I'm not recommending it. I've never read it. It was called, uh, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. All right. The idea of the book was that men and women see things so differently, it's like they're from different planets, and it's hard to bring it together. All right. It wasn't a Christian book, but it's just a perspective book. And so there is a difference in the way men and women think. I think we all understand that. Have you ever thought this? I will never understand what's going on in my child's head. That teenager, what is he thinking? I worked 25 years with teenagers. I understand that. Some of you were my teenagers. I didn't understand what you're thinking then. I don't understand what you're thinking now sometimes. But that, that we, what's going on in their head? Teenager, have you ever thought, what's going on in my parents' head? What, what are they thinking? And I'm talking to teenagers too. If you're here today as a teenager and you want to passionately pursue a relationship with your parents, here's some principles that will help you. It works both ways. Those statements, I'll never understand, I'll never understand, I'll never understand, those are just cop-out statements. It's just, you're just copping out. You can't, yes, you're different, but you can't cop out and say, I'll never understand. God doesn't let you do that. God narrows into the man and says, husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. You can't just cop out and say, I don't understand my wife. That's not, that's not biblical. It's not biblical. It may be practical. You may say, well, you don't understand my wife. No, I don't understand your wife. I don't have to worry about understanding your wife. <laughs> I got to understand my wife, but that's my job. That's, that's part of my God-given responsibility. Some men want to take the responsibility of, like, I'm the head of my household, I'll make the decisions. Yeah, that's great, but it's also your responsibility to understand your wife. 
It's, it's the same Bible says the same thing. We can't just pick, you know, uh, wives, submit yourselves unto your own, own husbands and, and take that and not take husbands. Dwell with your wife according to knowledge. Seek, pursue to understand your wife. Wife, seek to pursue to understand your husband. Parents, seek, pursue to understand your kids. I think we have to understand their needs. A husband has to learn to understand the needs of a wife. Parents need to learn to understand the needs of their kids. Understand the needs of other church members if you want to have a passionate relationship. Again, we're, we're, the, I'm not being clear. In the context, it's talking about a husband-wife relationship. So it's very clear this is the, most, um, the closest relationship that you'll have on earth with somebody who's not related to you by blood will be your spouse. My kids are blood-related, and I had a relationship with my brothers and sisters and my mom and dad. That's blood. I chose Jackie. Jackie chose me. There's no blood relation there, and we are two different people, very, very different people. I grew up in the hood in Cleveland, all right? I grew up back in Cleveland, Ohio, in a real rough neighborhood where we, we were, had a very small area to go and play in, and Jackie grew up in Nova Scotia where she had her whole community that was all related, and they all ran around, and they jumped ice cakes in the in the ocean and rail four-wheelers and i tried to avoid the gangs in cleveland right that's what that's, that's different. So come together we try to make these differences work that's why this relationship is a good example of how to pursue pursue passion in our relationships all right and so here we look at this here's what one preacher said this as men we don't submit to the authority of the wife we don't submit to the leadership of the wife. We don't submit to the headship of the wife, but we do submit to the needs of the wife. It's a big difference. I ought to be, and the Bible is very clear, submit yourselves one to another. It goes both ways. And so we need to be submissive to the needs, understanding the needs of the wife. And so that takes some work. I don't understand my wife. Well, that's, that's, you better figure that out because that's your job. And you're going to spend your whole life and your whole marriage trying to understand your wife. That's your, that's not only your job, that should, that should be your pleasure. I'm going to learn, I'm pursuing my wife. We often think once the, mar once the marriage vows are said, that's when the pursuit ends. That's when the pursuit begins. And you've got to seek to understand, don't say amen too loud, this message, guys. I'm going to warn you on that, all right? And so uh, you've got to seek to pursue them, and vice versa, wives, and I'm, please, Think about that relationship you thought about earlier. Your kids, seek to pursue them. Understand them. Understand their needs. You have to seek to understand their perspective. Understand the perspective of your wife and your husband. Back uh, when I was married, I got married in the church next door. Before This is, this is just being built. We had a reception for my, uh, Jackie and I downstairs in the basement. That used to be our fellowship hall in the basement of the church, all right? And so we had a reception there. One man from the church gave this illustration to us at that re reception. And I remembered it all these years, and I thought about it, and it was helpful to me, so I want to share it with you today. All right, this is just a very simple illustration, but I need a couple sitting on the front row that will not be embarrassed by this. So I, already asked, I already asked Beth, and so I didn't care about Pastor Yeoman's thoughts, so I need you to help me out. I wish you guys would both stand up for me if you would. And, and I'm not tricking. I want you to face each other. <laughs> John, do you today take, no, never mind, we've already done that before, haven't we? All right. So I have here, this is not, this is not a trick question. I'm not tricking you, all right? So this is a very simple question, just about perspective, from your perspective. 
I have a ball. What color is that ball? Black. Okay. So I know John and I know Beth. I know Pastor Yeomans and I know Beth. And I know they're both. How long would you have to discuss something for her to convince you that that is a white ball? Vice versa, a long time. You know what you see. You know your perspective. And you say, There's, he will not change my perspective because I, I just can't agree with him if I don't agree. you got to show me. Okay, now I want you to switch places. Seeing each other on purpose now, seeing from each other's perspective. And here you go. What color is the ball? White. Obviously, right? So obviously the trick is not really a big deal. It's half black, half white, right? So, <laughs> which makes sense. All right, you can sit down, all right? So it wasn't, it, it, but the, the, the illustration is this. Sometimes we see things as black and white from my perspective, and we have a hard time seeing the other perspective. But if we would take a step back and maybe see the other perspective, and then maybe together come to, how long would it take for you guys to discuss now to say, okay, it really wasn't as black and white as we thought it was, right? And oftentimes, uh, conflict in relationships come when we choose not to see the other perspective. And here's what the Bible says. Husbands, dwell with your wife according to knowledge. See her perspective. It also pertains the other way. Wives, see your husband's perspective. See your kid's perspective. Kids, see your parents' perspective. See your relatives. See the perspective of the other church member. See, the, there, there, there is difference of opinion in Bible Baptist Church. Hello, it's okay. That's good. Diversity brings unity when Jesus Christ is involved. And so if you have a difference of opinion, but you can learn to see the other perspective a little bit and say, okay, maybe it's not as black and white as I thought. He sees things black, I see things white, but it's okay, we can still love the Lord and work together. See, that's building passion into a relationship because you are dwelling with them according to knowledge. I'm saying to church members of Bible Baptist Church, dwell with each other according to knowledge. Understand the other person's perspective about the music or about the carpet or about the chairs or about the service schedule or about see somebody else's perspective for a change and not just say no I see what I see and you're not going to convince me any different look at the other perspective and then realize maybe not, 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 don't get me wrong there are black and white in the bible all right I'm, I'm not <laughs> preaching I, I just want to be very clear I'm not saying like well it's okay if you see something different well the bible does have steer very clear, black and white. But as much as we hate to uh, admit, sometimes there's gray in how you apply biblical principle. So how do you build passion into a relationship, whether it be your, your spouse or your child or your grandkids? See your grandkids' perspective. Don't always come down on them and say, back in the old days, this is how we did it. And, you know, back in, kids didn't talk that way back in, and that's true. I'm not saying that we don't try to teach it, but see perspective and dwell with them according to knowledge. Choose to pursue that deeper understanding, their perspective, their needs. Let me just give you a few verses as we kind of wrap this point to a close. Proverbs 23, 26. My son, give me thine heart. Solomon is saying, I am pursuing the heart of my child. The best thing you can do as a parent is to pursue the heart of your child. You may disagree. Your kids are going to do different things than you want them to do. But to me, the hardest part of parenting for me ever was, was having adult children living in my home. It was different. I thought teenage years would be you know, the worst. And, they were, and they, they, my kids were good. I mean, they were really good. But just understand, they're adults now. I've got to let them make some decisions on their own. Understand their perspective. But 
Do you have your child's heart? That's what you work on. Pursue the child's heart. He says, son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. I'm going to live the example. I'm, I'm, go- I'm pursuing you. I'm coming after you. I-, I want this relationship. I need this relationship. It's more than just spending a little time on a weekend with somebody. It's actually pursuing their heart. Children, grandchildren. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them with the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's understanding your child what well, how do you respond to that child that won't make them angry? It's not saying that, you, that some things you're going to do aren't going to make them angry. It happens. But do you understand your child, what makes them tick, what sets them off? Then maybe you've got to say things a different way in a different tone. I'm not saying change what you say as a parent, but maybe how you say it, because you're understanding their, you're pursuing their heart. And every child's different, Right? Every child is different. You can handle one child one way and another child a different way. The Bible teaches us this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Exhort, uh, verse 14, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. And so you have to identify, are they unruly? Are they weak? Are they feeble? Who, how am I going to deal with them? You can't just deal with everybody the same way. It's understanding people, understanding the people you want to have a deeper relationship with. You have to make a decision, choose to pursue the heart of the person that you want to have a deeper relationship with. You can't just cop out, well, I'll never understand them, they'll have to to adjust to me because I'll never understand them. That's a cop out. And God doesn't let you cop out. He says, no, husbands dwell with them according to knowledge. Fathers, understand what makes your children upset and don't do that. Learn how to parent them without pushing their buttons on purpose. Have you ever seen a parent push their children's button on purpose? Like, yes. I mean, thank you, Beth. I got best with No, it happens. Like, you, you know, maybe what they're saying is right, but you say, you could do this so much better. There's a better way to, to, to teach and to train because they're not understanding the perspective, the needs of that child. Choose to pursue the heart. The way the Bible says it is dwell with them according to knowledge. Dwell with them according to knowledge. Principle number one, choose to pursue. Look at chapter 3, verse number 7 again. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So much in that verse to talk about. Again, we're going to try to stick on this, these principles of building passionate relationships. Number one, choose to pursue. Number two, you show passion by preferring. You show passion by pursuing, and now you show passion by preferring. You show that you're involved, you're passionate about a relationship by pursuing and understanding their heart, their perspective, their needs, and you show passion in a relationship by preferring. The word, you understand what the word prefer means, right? To prefer something. Uh, We all have preferences. If we went to a restaurant, we would all make different choices on the menu. Why? Because you prefer something. Because I choose steak, it doesn't mean I don't like chicken. It just means tonight, I prefer it. And I have a preference. There are certain vegetables in our house that we have never eaten in our house. Peas. My wife does not like peas. I don't care for peas. My kids 
Probably I've never seen a pea <laughs> because we don't have them. <laughs> we want, you know why? We prefer not to eat them. And we have preferences. We understand what it means to prefer. And so what the Bible means is in honor, it says the Bible says in honor, in honor, give honor unto the wife. The word honor means value. You place value. You place value on the wife and her opinions and her perspective. You're understanding her, and now once you understand that, you give value to that. That makes sense? So you've, I'm trying to understand your perspective. I'm trying to understand my wife. This is my lifelong goal as a husband to understand my wife. And it will go on to, the, I've been married now for 27 years. So it's, it's been a little bit of time. I have more years to go and I have more understanding to, to gain. And I need to learn to passionately pursue the heart of my wife and understand her. And when I do understand it, I need, I need to give value to that. Give honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now listen. Some people take exception with that clause. Give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Let me understand, try to help you understand. In that culture, remember, go back to the culture. This is not an insult. This is not an insult to women at all. In fact, in that culture, the wife was used to being treated as the weaker vessel, as a doormat, as a possession, as a, they were not treated well. And so any woman at the time of this Bible being written and their husbands being hearing, Treat your wife with honor as unto the weaker vessel. They're like, yes. <laughs> They're excited about it. All right, so this is not an insult that a wife is the weaker vessel. Basically what he's saying, he's saying, the point is stop treating your wife as a possession to be used and start treating your wife as a treasure to be valued. So it's just a change in mind, a complete change in mindset for somebody. It, this wasn't a possession that I just use and do whatever I want because I'm the man of the household, and this is how it is. All my neighbors are doing this. This is how my dad treated my mother. This is how I've always been raised. And he's saying, Dad, that made, throw that out. She's now, a, she's now a treasure to be valued. And so this is not an insult. This is, this is putting a, a woman on a, a pedestal to be treated. She's the fine china of the house, Right? In my house, I just looked the other day, just make sure they're still there, on the top shelf, covered by dust. There are a few very nice glasses that we never use in our house, unless maybe we have company over, or even that we usually don't do. <laughs> I'm not sure why they're there, actually. <laughs> they're, so, they're very delicate. They're very fragile. When my wife ran daycare in our house for a number of years, that's why they're on the top shelf, <laughs> right? Because we know those are very fragile. We, had, we have glasses of those plastic ones that are indestructible, that are on the bottom, right, way down low. And the kids would be able to go in there and get those glasses from themselves. Anytime they wanted a glass of water, we had a cooler. They could go in there, get a glass, go in there. Those things are dropped. Those things are thrown. Those things are left out in the backyard. I think I ran over the lawn, with a lawnmower a couple times. Like, I mean, it doesn't matter. They just put them back in the cupboard. They just keep going. <laughs> right? So that's the man of the relationship. <laughs> right? But the wife is that fine china. And treat her as such. That's, that's the point. Give honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And so the idea is to honor or give value to the other person. Let me put it this way. First point, principle was choose to pursue. This one is prefer to prefer. It sounds like double talk, but it's not. Your, my preference now is to prefer you. I, I, my preference is to allow to follow your preference. And so I'm giving in, I'm submitting, I'm letting, I, I may be able to push my own agenda or push my own opinion, but I'm going to prefer to prefer to you. 
This principle is applied to other relationships in the Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be kindly, affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. In honor, in value, preferring one another. That's any relationship. So you can put that in any relationship. You can put that in your, the church member. It can be your sister who lives in British Columbia. It can be uh, your grandkids who you see just a few times a year. Prefer, prefer, in honor, prefer one another. That, adds, that shows you're passionate about this relationship. You're interested in this relationship. You want this relationship to grow. You're willing to put the work into it, the effort into it, because you're going to choose to pursue their understanding, and you're also going to prefer to prefer what they want and need above your own. You're giving value. You're putting value. We, we put value on some strange things. There are things in your house that have no value to me, but have great value to you. When my daughter was young, Jessica especially, but both of them were blanket girls. Nikki's in the nursery today, isn't she? I can say whatever I want. I got no family member here. I'm on, I, so they had, they had blankets. And I remember they, these, especially Jessica's, became a rag. I mean, it was just falling apart. It was embarrassing for her to take it out in public. But it had great value to her. I remember one time we had some friends in Port Stanley and we drove home and we got home ready for putting the kids to bed. It was late. We had been up, you know, spent some time at fellowship, got home a little bit later than we wanted to and we wanted to get things, the kids to bed and we realized what? The blanket was in Port Stanley. Guess where I went that night? <laughs> I drove down to Port Stanley to pick up a rag to bring it back. It, it had, had zero value to me but had great value to my daughter. But listen, someone told me this a long time ago, but we value the person who values that blanket. And because I value the person, I don't value the blanket, but I value the person, I'll go value the blanket, right? That's how you show you have passion in your relationships because you're putting value on what they value. So the Bible is really clear in honor, preferring one another. So think of your kids. Think of your grandkids. How can you prefer them? How can you put their wants and needs and desires. I mean, by nature, um, parents do this often with their kids. But I want you to say, say this, this must be done consciously. You have to choose to do this. It's conscious. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone, now listen, to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. We all have an own way. We have turned everyone to our, I have a way about me. It's me. I have a way. I like my way. I do things my way. When you're not around, I'm not doing things your way. I'm doing things my way. When all my family goes away and I'm at home, I'm going to do what I want to do. I do things my way. That's my default. I go to that. That's my go-to. That's who I am. My way is different than your way, but you have a way. And if that's our default. That's what we go to. That's a uh, and I, I know this from Pastor Yeomans years ago. It's like on your phone. You, your phone has default settings. Unless you change those, it's going to keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again until you flip a switch and change the setting. What I'm saying is, in your relationship, you have to consciously flip the switch in your mind and say, like, I'm not doing things my way. I'm going to do things her way or their way. Uh, I'm giving up my way to let them have their way. And it can be as simple as things in the church about someone sitting in your seat. 
when I was a youth pastor, we had a, a, a blue van that we picked up. And I don't remember the blue streak out there. And uh, I remember we had a couple girls uh, that were coming to youth group. Uh, not, their families weren't part of our church. And out in the parking lot, just out here, they both wanted the front seat of the van. And it got to, went to blows. I mean, it went to like fisticuffs in the parking lot, cat fight in the parking lot over who got the front seat. I'm glad that Chelsea and Kayla finally got it worked out, but I mean, <laughs> not, not, <laughs> just teasing. I, I, I remember one girl's name. I remember both their names, actually. <laughs> They're embedded in my mind. <laughs> and I say, girl, like, it's not a big deal, but it was a big They wanted their way so bad, and they hadn't learned how to deal with their desire to want their own way. They hadn't been taught to let your way go. But so much in even counseling with Marriage and couples is just letting let go of your way. I have my way. This is my way. This is who I am. Well, maybe not let that go a little bit. Like we've turned everyone. This is all of us. Every one of us have turned everyone to their own way. It's against God and it's, our, it's a selfish nature that we have. It's, it's, it's hardwired into you to be selfish. And God's saying here, yeah, get over that. Change the switch on that and just... Give honor and prefer one another. Be more like me and less like you and give honor. And do that to your, with your kids. Now, this is it's interesting as I thought about this. Let me say this too. You have to do it consciously and you have to do it consistently. <laughs> right? It can't just be like, I, I, I've heard men say this, I think, I think jokingly. Well, I gave in last time, so the next three times I get to do what I want to do. Like, so I did one, so now I get to do three or four. Like, remember, remember I gave in to you last Thursday? Well, this is what, so it's not like that. It's not like because I gave you one, I get three now, or I gave you one and you give me one. And I, it's not like that. There is give and take in a relationship. And can you imagine how, how it works when both spouses in a relationship are passionately pursuing a relationship? And he's pursuing her, and she's pursuing him, and they're trying to understand a perspective, and they're both trying to prefer one another. It makes the decisions a lot easier because you're, you're both pursuing a passionate relationship, and you come to the area in the middle and say, okay, let's agree on this, or let, let's say this time we'll do what you want to do, and next time we'll do what I want. And that's great. That's, that's passion in a relationship. You have to do it consciously and consistently. Let me just acknowledge, too, that for parents and grandparents, this may be a little tricky. So think about this. It's good for you to show passion uh, by preferring, but you're also trying to teach your kids to prefer other people, right? So you just can't always give in and say, well, I'll prefer you. This is what you want. Oh, you you want pizza again tonight? Well, let's have pizza. Forget about the peas. You're only having pizza. Like, you you can't just do that all the time, right? As parents, you can't, because you're also trying to teach your kids to passionately pursue relationships by choosing to pursue and preferring to prefer. And so you're trying to teach your kids to prefer other people as well. So there's times where you say, yes, we'll do things you want to do. And there's times you say, no, we, not, we can't always do things you want to do. We have to do things this way tonight. And so you're, it's just that balance. And so I think maybe it's, it starts with communicating to your kids what's happening, just being honest with them. Something like this. Hey, today we did what you wanted to do because we love you. We love you. We, we, got to, you, we went to the park because you want, but tomorrow we're going to do what mommy wants to do because we love mommy. And we show our love for mommy by not doing what we want to do all the time, but sometimes doing what she wants to do. So it's, and, and again, that's simple because you're teaching a child, but that should happen on a regular basis among church members. 
and among family members. I hope that you can work through family relationships and neighbor relationships and work relationships because you're choosing to pursue relationships and you're choosing, you're preferring to prefer. So if you want to develop a passionate relationship, choose to pursue and prefer to prefer. Two very simple principles. I try to make it easy to remember. Choose to pursue, prefer to prefer. I hope all of you can go home and by next week say, yeah, I can remember two principles. Choose to pursue, prefer to prefer. If I want to build a passionate relationship, this is what I got to do in my marriage and other relationships. It's not always easy, and it's definitely more work, but it's always biblical, and it's always worth it. It's easier sometimes just to cop out and say, well, I'll never understand my wife, or I, I'm just, this is just how I'm wired. I, I want my things my way. It's just who I am, and that's who they are. And it's just easy to cop out and not pursue those things. But I want you to think about this. To develop passionate relationships, instead of copping out, we need to constantly opt in. You can't just cop out. You've got to opt in. Every morning you get up and you opt in. I'm going to give up my way. I'm going to, I'm going to give up my I'm going to pursue my wife. You can't just cop out and say, I don't understand. you got to opt in over and over and over and over and over again. We, we're involved with a health care plan. We, with our health care plan, we have certain things that are just part of uh, the health care plan. But there, at the end, there's certain things that we can opt in or opt out. It's our choice. We have a choice whether we want to be in or out on these certain, certain benefits. We have to pay for them ourselves, whatever, but you can opt in or opt out. Life is full of opt-ins and opt-outs. And often, by nature, what we do is we choose to cop out. We take the easy road. And what the, the reason we're preaching this series of messages about relationships is we want you and all of us as Bible believers to opt in to biblical principle. Is it a biblical principle to pursue, to dwell with them according to knowledge. Yes, it is. It's written to the husband and wife relationship, but I think there's verses, and I showed some verses that show that it's broader than that. Is it a biblical principle to give honor to the wife as another weaker vessel? Yes, we've shown that. But it's also a biblical principle to, in honor, prefer one another. So it's a biblical principle. Are you going to opt in or cop out? That's the question. If you cop out, you're not pursuing passionate relationships. Let me close by sharing with you the greatest example of these principles. I, I, I'd be upset with myself if I didn't talk about what the Bible says about Jesus Christ because he exemplified the principles that we talked about today. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, left heaven to become a man. He came... Why did Jesus Christ leave heaven to come to earth? To pursue a relationship with you. He is passionately pursuing a relationship with mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He knows your deepest need. He knows the deepest need of your heart is that you are a sinner and we are sinners by nature and sinners by choice. And he understands our greatest need. And because of that, he left the glory of heaven and became a man, lived on earth, and he gave his life. He says this, no man taketh my life from me, I lay it down, and I'll rise it up again. He did exactly that. Why did he do that? Well, he, he told us before he did it, 
I came to seek and to save that which was lost. He pursued us. He gave it all. He took the initiative. He pursued. He understands and understands us so deeply that our need, and there's only one solution, the perfect sacrifice for sinful man. God in the flesh dying on the cross for our sin. He gave his life for you. He passionately pursued this relationship. And he came to suffer and die, not because it was best for him, but because it was our only hope. He preferred, he valued us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He valued you. He saw the value in your sin-sick soul enough to give his life. He pursued you and he preferred you. He came because he was our only hope. And the Bible tells us that he endured the cross and despised the shame because of the joy that was set before him. The joy of a relationship with you. That's, how can a man endure the cross and despise the shame? Because he wanted a relationship with you. It's his joy. It was set before him. And he knows if I can just endure becoming sin for them and having my father turn his back on me for, on the cross and, and then suffering that punishment for them, then there's joy in the relationship that I'm pursuing. He gave the greatest example. Christ pursued and preferred, and that's the only reason I can say I have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, and that's the only reason I can make the same offer to you. If you're watching online or if you're here in the auditorium, the offer still stands. Jesus Christ is still the Savior. Sin is still the problem. And your prayer of faith and asking Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and save you is still the answer. And so I offer that to you watching and to you here in the auditorium. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, He is passionately pursuing a relationship with you. Only does not stop there. Once you have that relationship, there's still a passion and a pursuit there. And it comes on our part as well now. In our sin state, we couldn't pursue Jesus Christ, but once we're saved, we can. I can pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, after Paul was saved, for 25 years, he wrote these words, that I may know him. I've been saved, uh, I've been saved for 25 years. I wrote some of the New Testament. I've started churches all over the world. I've, I've been stoned and, and all this and all this and all this, but I just want to dwell with him according to knowledge. I just want to know him. He's still pursuing a knowledge of God after 25 years. He said, as soon as he got saved, Lord, what will you have me to do? I'm going to prefer now your will over mine. And his life lived that out over and over and over again. Hey, if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, how passionate are you pursuing that relationship with Christ? Are you willing to say, I want to know God. I want to learn of God. I'm going to join a small group. I'm going to be part of this. I'm going to come to Bible study. I'm going to have my own devotions. I want to know God. I'm going to listen to music and preaching, and I'm trying to know more about Him. I want to know Him. I want to love Him. I want to pursue Him. 
Philippians 3 is all about the pursuit of Jesus Christ by the Apostle Paul. Are you pursuing? That's one relationship I've avoided until now. We talked about your kids and your grandkids and your neighbors and your church members and people sitting next to you, people across Canada. What about Jesus Christ? Are you passionately involved in that relationship with him? Pursuing him by knowing him and preferring him. Are you choosing to pursue Jesus Christ and preferring to prefer his will over yours? That relationship still has to grow. Passion in relationships. All relationships. Two very simple principles. Choose to pursue. Dwell with him according to knowledge. Prefer to prefer. Give honor. In honor, preferring one another. I hope that these truths will be a help to you as we think about these relationships. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, first and foremost? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? He is pursuing you, but you have to accept Him. If not, we would like to help you do that. If you're watching online, we'd ask you right now to to click on the the connection card and reach out to us so that we could uh, reach out to you and give you some more information and walk you through what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here in the auditorium and you've never asked Christ to save you, or you have questions about that, you're not you're concerned, you're you're not sure. Maybe from your background, you have some some things in your background, but you're just not sure about that. We would love to have that conversation with you and start the start the conversation. See us in the, in the lobby afterwards. See one of our staff. See somebody. In the scene. It doesn't have to be one of us. Other church members can help you. Certainly there's somebody here in this room that you know that can help you have that relationship. If you are saved, are you pursuing a deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ or is it something that we just kind of go through the motions? Are we copying out or are we opting in on Sunday morning and throughout the week? What other relationship do you want to see grow and deepen? Did you identify that? Your children, your grandchildren, your, your relatives, your, your neighbors, your friends, your spouse. Then will you choose to put biblical principle into practice to develop passionate relationships? Will you choose to pursue? Will you prefer to prefer? Their heads bowed and eyes closed. We're going to have some music play. If you have a decision you need to make, once you right now talk to the Lord about this decision. Think about how in your life you're going to implement biblical principle in your relationship. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, reach out to him right now.